to the seventh episode of Cuttings from the Garden of English, Sporting Words. Archaeological evidence reveals that sports have been part of human history for several thousand years, and many idioms in English derive from them. This episode looks at contributions from four of the oldest sports. The word sport, an abbreviation of disport, came to English via a Latin-derived French word in the early 15th century, where it meant an amusing pastime, a diversion from serious matters. The original Latin meant to carry away. Sounds about right in one sense, if behaviour at sporting venues is any indication. And in another sense, in botany, where a sport is a mutant genetic form, different from the parent, carried away. Wrestling is probably the oldest of sports, depicted in cave paintings 15,000 years old. The word appears in Old English and is of Germanic origin. Metaphors from wrestling are there when we talk of a company having a stranglehold on the market, or no holds barred in an electoral debate, or a politician willing to go to the mat to get a bill passed. Boxing is depicted on a Sumerian terracotta relief some 5,000 years old, discovered in modern-day Iraq. A modern boxing ring is, of course, actually a square, originally perhaps a naturally formed circle of onlookers gathered round two fighters. We probably don't even register the oddness of a square ring when we use the term. Boxing is there when we talk of someone deciding to contest an election as throwing his hat in the ring, just as a man at a travelling fair a century or two ago may well have literally done to offer a challenge to the champion with the hope of winning a prize. There too, if we're punching above our weight by succeeding beyond expectation, or if we give up a task after struggling long and hard metaphorically throwing in the towel, as a surrendering prize fighter's second, his assistant, literally does. Boxing is there if we talk of having a ringside seat when we are in a position to best observe every detail of a developing situation, or if we have someone in our corner to assist us in some venture. There too, in more negative situations, if we say, because of the impact of COVID, for example, our business is on the ropes or down for the count. Or maybe it's only down but not out. We may yet be hoping to roll with the punches or be saved by the bell. At election time, boxing metaphors abound. We're talking blood sports after all we might see two opponents squaring off, taking the gloves off, not pulling any punches, hitting below the belt, ducking and weaving, and a candidate takes care never to lead with his chin. Falconry may have originated in Persia, modern Iran, at least 8,000 years ago. The great Khans of Mongolia are known to have practised falconry for food and sport between battles over 3,000 years ago. The sport came to Europe with the Huns, 
Falconers are depicted on the famous 11th century Bayeux tapestry, mysteriously not wearing an essential protective glove, and became popular in medieval art and romantic literature. Most of us know very little about falconry. You'll probably be as surprised as I was to discover which familiar words and expressions most likely trace back to this sport. We might speak of the lure of travel, of adventure. The original lure, attached to a long cord, was made of leather and feathers arranged to resemble a bird that might be likely prey. It was swung around by the trainer for the falcon to chase. The food might be placed on it as a reward during training. When we are fed up, we've had enough of something. We're annoyed, bored, disinclined to action. This is thought to derive from the fact that a hunting bird that has eaten its fill will refuse to hunt for the falconer. The falconer wraps the tethers, or jesses, thin leather straps, tightly round the little finger of the glove in order to control the falcon more tightly. If I have you wrapped around my little finger, I can make you do anything I like. So too if I have you under my thumb, the place a falconer firmly puts the jess when the bird is resting on his glove. A falcon is said to rouse when, as part of its grooming, it raises all its feathers, shakes them and slowly lowers them. We talk about being roused from sleep, roused to action, anger, mutiny. If we wait for something with bated breath, we are holding our breath in fear or suspense. Bated here is an abbreviation of abated, meaning reduced, as in the floodwaters abated. A restrained falcon might flap or bait its wings wildly, from French battre, meaning beat, in an attempt to fly off its perch. The two meanings seem to have run together here. The first recorded use in Shakespeare is when the Jew Shylock, aware of the anti-Semitic Venetian society he lives in, bows low in mock humility and fear as he scornfully addresses the Christian merchant Antonio, who is desperate for a loan. Shall I bend low and in a bondman's key with bated breath and whispering humbleness say this, Fair sir, you spit on me on Wednesday last, you spurned me such a day. Another time you called me dog, and for these courtesies I'll lend you thus much monies. To do something in one fell swoop is to do it suddenly or in a single swift action, as a killing falcon does when it dives from a great height. Fell here is an adjective meaning fierce, savage, cruel, ruthless, from the same French origin as our old-fashioned word for a villain, a felon. When he hears that Macbeth's henchmen have killed his wife and children, Macbeth, Macduff uses the language of falconry, of a violent killing action, likening Macbeth to a savage kite, a kind of falcon, and his family to helpless baby birds. Oh, hell kite, all, what, all my pretty chickens and their dam at one fell swoop?
We mostly use the phrase in a much more innocuous way. I cleaned out the garage and the shed in one fell swoop. It is customary for strong and violent words to weaken over time. Awesome, terrible and horrible have gone the same way. A leather hood over the head and eyes is used by a falconer to calm the bird, remove visual distractions and to prepare it to concentrate on the desired target. The bird is hoodwinked. Shakespeare uses the phrase hoodwinked Cupid, the god of love being traditionally blindfolded. The term then developed as a metaphor for being deceived or tricked by someone. It is still trendy in London to have an address at something or other muse, rather road or street. A muse is a row of houses that have been converted from stables once attached to a larger dwelling. The stables were often on the site of the place where the falcons, so beloved of the aristocracy, were confined in cages when they were mewing, molting. Shakespeare uses the phrase mew up to mean confine. A haggard is a falcon that is caught in the wild as an adult and is therefore harder to train, from old French agar meaning of the woods. If we look haggard, we look as if we'd been dragged through a bush, rather wild and unruly. It is mixed a little with hag, an ugly witch. Shakespeare uses it to mean, always of a woman, unfaithful. Shakespeare's Othello, a moor living in Venice, and thus, like Shylock, a member of a minority group, is hoodwinked into suspecting his wife has been unfaithful. Roused to jealous rage, he compares himself to, his, to a falconer and his wife to an unruly bird as he threatens he will cast her out. If I do prove her haggard, though that her jesses were my dear heartstrings, I'd whistle her off and let her down the wind to prey at fortune. English has many idioms too from the world of horse racing. A racetrack is heavy going if it is soft and muddy. We might use the phrase to describe a laborious task or an annoyingly boring situation we're stuck in. Horses near the finish running neck and neck in a race are so level with each other that either may win. The same term used outside sport could describe two candidates in an election or two students vying for an academic prize. A win by a nose is officially the smallest winning margin in a horse race. You too may win the election by a nose. At the opposite extreme, if you win hands down, you are so far ahead of your competitors that you win easily. In reference to a jockey being so far in front, he can loosen his grip on the reins and drop his hands. If a horse race goes down to the wire, the result is very close. A light wire used to be placed across the finishing line to make it easier for the judges. We use the term similarly for any close competitive situation. This election will go to the wire. And also ran, originally applied to any horse that did not finish in the paying placings. In general language, it suggests 
a nobody, a no-hoper, an insignificant person. To be on the home stretch in a horse race is to be on the final section of the course between the last turn and the finishing line. Similarly, we may be in the final stage of an endeavour. The end is in sight. A dark horse was racing slang for a little-known contender that made an unexpectedly good showing in a race. We apply the same term to someone in an election or a business venture about whom not much at all is known, or else to someone who very unexpectedly wins a competitive endeavour. Across the board is an American term from horse racing, referring to a bet in which equal amounts are staked on a horse to come in any of the first three places. The board itself was the blackboard on which bookmakers chalked up the odds. We use it to mean all members of a group. Management announced the pay increase would be across the board. In racing, a running mate is a horse entered in a race to set the pace for another horse from the same stable that is intended to win. It was adopted in US politics to describe the candidate for vice president nominated by a presidential candidate, as was Kamala Harris for Joe Biden. The idea of a ringer or ring-in first developed in horse racing when fast horses were sometimes illegally substituted for slower ones similar in appearance. The famously amateurish fine cotton scandal nearly 40 years ago is part of Aussie folklore. A dead ringer in colloquial language is someone who looks exactly like someone else. You're a dead ringer for your father. A front runner is a horse that runs best by jumping to an early lead. In politics, it is used for the early leader in an electoral contest. In business, for the one most likely to be appointed to an available position. If you have the inside track, the shortest distance around racecourse, you have a special position within an organisation or a special relationship with a person that gives you advantages that other people do not have. I'll finish with a wild goose chase, a waste of time, a search for something unobtainable or non-existence. The term derives from a 16th century form of horse race. One rider would gallop out front, the other participants in hot pursuit. They'd take off in an open field and after a set distance, the leader would look to shake the pack by darting wildly in all directions. Not only was the group required to follow, but they also needed to do so in a set formation and at a set distance, supposedly looking like a flock of geese, hence the name. If a rider failed to meet his spatial obligations, a judge riding nearby would whip him. That certainly qualifies as a superlative waste of time.